Wonderful. So we're going to be looking at, um, as you can see, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Last week, Chris launched this exciting series uh, looking at the book of, book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to continue. Um, just, Chris just did the first couple of verses of the, the sort of introduction. Today, we're going to continue uh, with this passage that you can see on the screen. The, the Apostle Paul wrote... The, his letter to the church at Ephesus around about AD 62, quite a long time ago. Um, it was towards the end of his life, you know, and the apostle was had a special connection with the church at Ephesus. He was involved right at the very beginning. You can read that story in the book of Acts. And at the beginning of this letter, he explains in detail the intensity of the church's relationship with the God of all creation. Our relationship with our God. Now Chris said last week that this book will have as much impact on your life as you will allow it. Can I encourage you to allow it? Allow it to have an impact. Let let the words affect you and change you. And today I want to want us to see afresh what God thinks of us and to see afresh who we are. That's why I've called it, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? That's the title, who are you? Who we really are. A mum wrote, a love letter to her young adopted daughter. The little girl was only four, and somebody very unhelpfully had spoke quite negatively to her about adoption. Isn't it a shame that you had to be taken away from your real mum and dad and all this? And this mum, who'd had her from uh, from just a few months old, thought it would be good to write a letter to her that she could read when she was a bit older to really appreciate... Um, her mum's love. Let, it's like these are only some excerpts from that letter, but this is what mum wrote to her little girl. First and foremost, I love you. I will love you forever. You are the light of my life and the reason I get up in the morning. You are literally the sun and the moon and the stars to me. My world corny as it sounds, I still get a shiver of unbelievable joy when I'm away from you and remember I will be returning to you soon. The realisation that you are my daughter is like Christmas come early every single time. Imagine having joy like that on on tap. This is your gift to me. My darling daughter, I want to tell you that adoption is a wonderful thing because without it, we would not be together and we would not be filled up with the love we share for one another. And she signs off the letter, I wish you as much joy, love and happiness as you have brought to me throughout your life. You are simply, truly amazing and I will love you with all of my heart forever. Your mummy. What a letter of love, eh? What passion and what tenderness And what heartfelt emotion was just put down on those words on that page. 
But you know, the book, the letter to the Ephesians has been called a love letter to the church. A love letter to you and me. And there's a passion and an intimacy in these verses we're about to read that can make us gasp. And verses we'd do well to grasp as well. So I'm going to read another love letter now. Well, a a part of a love letter from the first chapter of Ephesians, reading from verse 3 to verse 14. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. So Paul was a Jew. And then he says in verse 13, And now you Gentiles, that's the non-Jews, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this. So we would praise and glorify him. That's an equally passionate love letter, isn't it? Highlighting the intimacy and the, the, the wonder of that adoptive relationship that we have with our God. I'm just going to look through this passage I've just read around three headings. which and It's always what preachers do, isn't it, around three headings. But just looking... Uh, highlighting the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the, the Godhead, the Trinity in God's relationship with us. Starting in verse, fr- verse 3 with the first heading really is the Father's choice. The Father's choice, which should appear on the screen in just a moment. So the father's choice. In verse 3, after his greeting, and Chris preached so well, didn't he, last week on, on that greeting and, and hi- highlighting that whole grace and peace to you thing. Already Paul breaks out in 
exuberant, excited praise of God. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. It's like he can't help himself. Do you do that? I'm glad. We should do it, shouldn't we? We should... Does your adoration of him overflow? Does it burst out from you? It does, Sharon, don't it? Do you want to do that now? It's like hanging in there, isn't it? Just hold it for a little while because I ain't got long. When you go home. <laughs> Maybe as we finish if we've got time. But it's all about him, isn't it? But every blessing is ours. We are united with Christ because the Father chose it to be. I mean, as you dwell on the truth of this love letter, these things will just impact us and shape us. Verse 4, he says, Even before he made the world, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now listen, that verse isn't something for us to puzzle over like some complicated riddle. Now if he chose me, does that mean he hasn't chosen someone else? Oh, that ain't fair, is it? No, listen. This is something to draw out praise and adoration. If you are a Christian... There's some strength for you in these words. There's some deep stuff for you in these words, right? My life is in his hands, not in the grip of fate, but in the powerful hands of God. Oh, a place of security, a place of love. Isn't it good? This should never be used as an excuse, by the way. You know, for a careless attitude, well, I'm chosen, so it don't matter what I do, really. The Bible says I'm chosen and nothing's going to snatch me out of his hands. God chose me anyway. Listen, he says he loved and chose us. Why? To be holy and without fault. These amazing words should be affecting every aspect of our life shouldn't they every word every deed every everything we think he chose me before he made the world to be holy and without fault in another letter in the new testament in the apostle peter's second letter right at the beginning really he says so dear brothers and sisters work hard to prove that you really are among those god has called and chosen do these things and you'll never fall away. He chose us because he loves us. And wonderfully and obviously, we're not an only child. Right? We're family. And not just this little family here. We're part of a, a, a global, a universal family of God. We're brothers and sisters together. Verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. He wanted you. 
He chose you. Before he'd made the world, he chose you. He wanted you. And it pleased him. These words should stir us, shouldn't they? They should excite us. <laughs> Do you know, this was one of the first passages I really remember sort of, I'm not quite memorising, I'm rubbish at memorising, but paraphrasing to myself. <laughs> but when I realised that God chose me, and it pleased him to do it. I would, I'd, I'd speak it to myself. You think, man, this is unbelievable. Because I knew what I was like. I knew what I'd done and what I thought. And he chose me. You know, a mate of mine, when I first became a Christian, the pastor in, in, in that church, I remember him very distinctly. There was, there, there was somebody came to him for some pastoral support. And his pastoral input, and he said, "What's that? Have I got to go to City Minis? Could the parent or carer of Eden, Hallie May, and Joachim, see you all? Thanks for coming." <laughs> If you're listening to this on the recording, um, there's lots of parents been called out to their children. So this, pa- this pastor w- responded to this request for some support and input. And do you know how he responded? He said, go away and refe- read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 until you believe it. And then come back to me. That's what we should do pastorally, isn't it? Point people to God. I mean, that was done in a loving, caring way. It wasn't flippant. Because these words are powerful, aren't they? And these will pastor us and they will change us. Go away and read Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 until you believe it. There's power in his words. So, we're all family together. God has adopted us. Brothers and sisters. Because he chose to do it. In the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Rome, he says this in verse 8, chapter 8, verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, just really affirming that truth. And he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. We want many brothers and sisters We've got plenty of empty seats in here, and we? We can get more brothers and sisters in, right? And if we fill this place up, we'll have to figure out something else. But let's get more brothers and sisters. And he, he wants us as well to be just like our big brother, Jesus. He wants us to emulate him. How do you find out what he's like? Spend time with him. Read the Bible. What's Jesus like? Go and find out. And then try and, and then, well, not try, you can be like him because he gives us everything we need to be like him. I've got, both my sisters have adopted children. They both had five kids each and then decided to adopt another one. If it's five, six, it don't really matter when you get to that number, does it? So, so <laughs> does that encourage you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, me, actually, we, we got five and we did consider at one point adopting, but. but um, I didn't have the capacity, actually. Um, Denise would have done, I wouldn't. But, but I was just talking to my sister, Diane, in the week um, uh, and about my niece, um, who she, she adopted. She's the youngest. 
And we were just saying how much she is like her older siblings. She's, she, you know, you know that just, that, I don't know, just a little look or, and a sense of humour. It's not really ob- obvious, but it is obvious, if you know what I mean. It's very subtle, but it's obvious. A turn of phrase. You think, you're just like your sister, you are. You know? She's been adopted into a family. She's took on the family likeness. We want to be like Jesus, don't we? We want to emulate him. We want to... We wanna, we want to do the stuff he did. In fact, he says, you'll do even more than that. As my people, as my body. It's a wonderful thing. You know, you can almost imagine the apostle when he's writing this stuff down, getting to this point. You know, he's got to verse 5. Not that he put the numbers in. And he's got to this point and, and he's getting so excited and he just turns it back to praise again. He's only got to it's verse 6. He goes, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He started off verse 3. He goes, he goes, a, goes a couple of verses to verse 6 and he's back praising God again. We should be like that. We should turn it back to praise, shouldn't we? We should reflect it back to him. We should be grateful and thankful and, 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 and of the relationship we have with him. So it's the father's choice. And it's also the son's accomplishment. How is this possible? How is it possible to be an equal with Jesus as a child of God? How is it possible to be a member of his Family. Verses 7 and 8 says he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God knew what he was doing. The sacrificial death of Jesus bought our freedom. His blood shed for us, paid the price for our sins. His death brought our life and our forgiveness. God, I'm forever grateful, as the song goes. He redeemed us. He brought us back. And I remember when one of my, my oldest boy was short of cash and he had a really expensive amplifier. And he had to take it down to cash converters and he put it over the counter and they give him not very much money, to be honest with you, compared to the value of this thing. But he needed the money. And he had to go back within 28 days with his little ticket in hand, and I was with him, to redeem that very expensive amplifier. And when he gave that ticket over and the money that he, that he agreed to give him, he, it was redeemed. He got it back. That's what Jesus did for us. He bought us back, not with money, but with his life, with his blood shed on the cross. That was his accomplishment on our behalf. But that was only part of his mysterious plan. It's only part of the plan worked out through the Son. Verse 9 And 10, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. 
at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. The entire universe, all of creation, finds its rationale in Jesus. Jesus gives meaning to the cosmos. You know, you people look out and they stargaze and they ponder the eternal nature of the universe and all the stuff. You think, this is mine. What's it? It's all too much for me. What's it all about? I'll tell you what it's all about. It's all about Jesus. That's what it's there for. That's who, he's the one who makes sense of it all. It's Jesus. He's not only the source of everything, he's not only the sustainer of all things, but he's the goal towards which everything is moving. It all hangs around him. And we're in the same family as him. He's adopted, God has adopted us into that. We're with him. This should stir us to worship, shouldn't it? You can get excited after. In the well-known letter to the church at Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. It says, he existed before anything was, sorry, existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Then it says this, everything was created through him and for him. Everything. And we know him. Isn't it amazing? You look confused, some of you. It, it, it is confusing because it's, it's a mystery. The Bible says it's a mystery, but listen, it's the truth. It's literally all about him. So it's the father's choice, the son's accomplishments, and the Holy Spirit's work. Reading from verse 11. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose, this is the Apostle Paul writing, was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. Paul describes how God's plan comes together. We're going to go on in just a second. But he joins together the Jews and well, who's he writing to? He's the people of Ephesus, the non-Jews, the Gentiles. Now, in Jesus, all racial and religious barriers have been torn down. And you could also put into that all class and culture and subculture. All levels of education or income. The barriers have been torn down. We, we are united with Christ. Isn't that good? The reality of that is awesome. The reality of that speaks to a divided world. It speaks, and, and we only have to look at our news screens, don't we, to see the division, the political division and the racial division and the religious division which causes wars and rumours of wars, doesn't it? But, but Jesus is saying, listen, 
in Christ, it's all of us together. And now I know that raises challenges of communication and, and culture. We, we make mistakes all the time, don't we? But if we're all united in Christ and we're loving like he loves, that's all right. We'll get there because we'll forgive and be forgiven, won't we? We say, I know they made a mistake, but they didn't mean it. I love them. And the church will be a beacon, a city on a hill, a light on a stand, shining out to the dark, dark world around us. People say, man, who are those people? I'll tell you who we are. We're the people of God. We're the family of God. We're the ones who were chosen by him before he even made the world to be holy and without fault. That's who we are. In community, adopted into his family. I so love this. The way to Jesus is the same for every single person, whether they are Jew or non-Jew. Verses 13 and 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth. The good news that God saves you. We need rescuing. We need pulling out of the quicksand of life. Otherwise we'll drown. God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit. Whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. There it is again. When we heard the truth, the good news of Jesus, when we believed in Christ, we are marked out by his own gift, the Holy Spirit. So good, isn't it? When we use the array of gifts available to us, when we demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit in our lives, the love and joy and peace and patience, goodness, kindness and gentleness and self-control is in there as well, isn't it? That's a very, that's one I always forget. (laughs) Uh, when, When we live out those fruits of the Holy Spirit, we're reminded that he has guaranteed our inheritance. Because we have the Spirit, we can be assured of that inheritance and assured of our place in God's family. We are definitely God's family. So many people make this mistake of when things go a bit difficult, they actually physically remove themselves from the family of God. They go missing. Have you noticed that? Maybe you've done it, right? Was that sensible or was that a mistake? Mistake, thank you. We should be, we should be gathering, shouldn't we? Because we're the family of God together and we can support one another. So in conclusion, I mean, we've just read through the letter twice, haven't we, really? Slowly. It's all about God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But it's also all about us because of what he done. According to this passage, we are blessed. We are united with Christ. We are loved we are chosen, we are holy, we are faultless, we are adopted, and we are forgiven. Does that sound good to you? Oh, that's what the creator of everything done for us. Right? 
Now this passage we read started with all praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And it finished with, he did this so we would praise and glorify him. He wanted to do it. It gave him great pleasure to shower us with his kindness. To give us an inheritance and give us the Holy Spirit. Don't you love him today? I'm going to pray. Jesus, it is amazing that a few verses on a page, a few words on a page, can have such an impact on the human heart. Lord, when we read that letter from that loving mum to her adoptive daughter, it stirred our heart. When we read these words from the eternal God to us, his people, it stirs our heart. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing me. Thank you for adopting me. Thank you for being kind to me and patient towards me and loving me. Thank you for all you've done to make me faultless in your sight. It's nothing from myself, it's all from you. And I pray for every one of us that we'd live in the good of that, that would affect us and impact our lives. When we go to work tomorrow or school tomorrow or whatever we're doing tomorrow, this would have an impact on our lives. We wouldn't leave them as words on a page. We wouldn't leave this sermon in this room. We'd take it deep within us and it would continue to shape us and change us and make us that bit more like our big brother, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you today. Amen.